go spread the word. When you get a fresh, hot McCrispy from McDonald's and you can feel the heat coming through the bag, don't try to wait till you get home. Always respect hot chicken. The McCrispy only at McDonald's. Ba da ba ba ba. Everybody loves a lover. I'm a lover. Everybody loves me anyhow. Okay, welcome, everybody. Well, welcome. Welcome, millions and millions of listeners, <laughs> to the very first ever installment of the beloved perennial favorite podcast, In Bed with Nick and Megan, starring Nick Offerman, and featuring Megan Mullally, and guest starring, special guest starring for tonight's very first episode, the beautiful Bill Hader. Uh, welcome, Bill. Wow, thank you guys for letting me be in your bed. That's right. We are in, we are literally sitting in Nick and my bed yeah. in our house, in our bedroom, in our house with the dogs downstairs. And um, if you need any snacks, I can oh, go fix you something. You're in our marriage bed. Yeah. You're in our marriage yeah. bed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to, uh, it's kind of creepy and yeah, kind of yeah. great. I want Two to handsome you. sound engineers are sitting on the floor. That's yeah. Right. Yeah. On a rug. On a yeah, rug. and they have these little um, booty things on their shoes, much like Mark Wahlberg at the end of The Departed when he kills Matt Damon. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys kind of look like assassins. So we've set the scene. Yep. Yeah. I'll be the first person. I'm sure a lot of people will do this bit where they go, oh, Nick and Megan invited me into their bed, and I got really excited, and then I didn't realize it was going to be in a podcast. <laughs> Bummed out now. Oh. <laughs> you know? Yeah, sorry to it's let everybody like, that's gonna down. be that's going to be the... I'll just do that now before, you know. Well, what did you say about um, the NPR voice? Oh, brought to you by Nerd Voice. Yeah, they always are like Squarespace. Like, why do they have to find the nerdiest guy with the nerdiest voice? Like, the guy in his office is like, you know, I can do it. No problem. And then NPR is like, mm, I think we're going to go with Derek. And he's like, oh, score one for Derek. I won. This is brought to you by Nerd Voice. Those, those people have to have jobs. I know. I think it's reverse advertising psychology. They used to do the Superman voice yes. so that the nerds would think, oh, if I use Squarespace, I'll be like Superman. Yeah. And then they figured out that that was fallacious. And yes. now they're like, oh, that guy sounds just like me. Maybe if I use Squarespace, I can get on the radio. It's like, yeah, exactly. So uh, let's back up. Let's put it in reverse for one minute because i think i should say or we should say we should all say that this podcast this pcast is going to be primarily nick and megan right we are going to have guests such as the beautiful wonderful bill Hader, on many of the episodes not mm. all and uh we're going to talk about whatever we darn well please but we do have a topic that we will loosely base each episode around. Mm. And we decided that for this episode, we should talk about firsts. Oh, Since great. it's our first episode, we're yeah. our first guest. And I'll, I'll just real quick jump in and say, based uh, on what you've said, the idea for the podcast was born from our book that we wrote together, which we recorded conversations for in this very bed. So this, um, is, this is kind of along the same. I know Bill has read the book several times. I won't ask you to recap 
because it's late afternoon, early evening, and Chapter people's nine. energies are ebbing. But the book is entitled The Greatest Love Story Ever Told. And yes, we did talk the book. <laughs> Bill's giving birth. <laughs> Having a panic attack. <laughs> <laughs> it looks pain. The volcano's about to erupt. Oh, 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 my chest. Is, an elephant is sitting on my chest. <laughs> I didn't realize I had to read the book. <laughs> well, the, you didn't have to read the book. That okay. was just okay. a, a funny bit that I did. Um, but yes, the book was us talking into a tape recorder, and then that was transcribed into book form. So I'm sure this entire book, this will be like the Encyclopedia Britannica, where all of our podcasts are one day well, actually, transcribed. Based on the success of our first book, we'll just keep recording podcasts and mm -hmm. then have them transcribed into books. That, isn't that what I literally just said? And we'll stay on top of the charts. People don't like it when you say literally. I've come to understand. I've said it twice so far. So Yeah, why? Uh, yeah, because it's, it's incorrect. If it's not literal, yeah. then people get very upset, which I understand. What's the right word, figurative? Well, the, I think those people. I think people that don't like it are literally stupid. Right. <laughs> David Cross had a whole bit about that in stand-up, about people who said literally, I think. Like, and he was against it. We have certain phrases we don't like. We don't yeah. like cool beans. Yeah, cool beans. I we get that. We don't like cool, cool, cool. We yeah. don't like my bad. Or maybe that's more me. Yeah. What are our similar ones? Um, this is, like, is fire or something. This is fire. <laughs> that, get, that gets, like, on my nerves for some reason. But what it is about is very usually something that's not, like, the last Bachelorette was fire. Yeah. It just doesn't really... <laughs> Do you watch the Bachelor franchise by any chance? I, um, well, when Darcy Carden was my nanny, uh, she would watch it with Maggie, my, my kid's mother, and, and we would watch a little of it, but I couldn't. Darcy Carden was your nanny? Yeah. Isn't that wild? Yes. Isn't that how you knew her? Yeah. Isn't that wild? What? Wow. That is so crazy. Darcy was. Hannah, my oldest daughter, uh, daughter's nanny, and she was like the first nanny that we had. This is clearly before she got cast on. No, it was she show. was just cool. She was just like, she was on the good place and was like, yeah, she I'll was nanny on for the you. good no, place. She, no, <laughs> come on. Okay, for those of you don't you don't know, Darcy Carton is a very funny. Talented young actress who is on The Good Place, and she's also on Barry. Yeah. She's one of the students in the acting yeah, class. Yeah, yeah. And she's a wonderful, wonder, her, uh, Darcy and her husband, Jason, are two of my favorite people on, on Earth, and wonderful people. And, um, yeah, she was our nanny, and then moved to L.A., and I remember when... I got the pilot for Barry, and I said, "Oh, I'm gonna give Dar. I thought, oh, I'm gonna give Darcy a role in this. This is gonna be a nice thing." And then she went, "Hey, I just got cast as a series regular on the new Mike Sure show," and I was like, "What?" <laughs> and like that and Barry, I think happened the same month. Oh my god! And I Crazy. just went, "This is insane!" And then she's yeah, she's doing amazing. Uh, did you see Janet's the one where she played all the characters? That yeah. was amazing. It's, yeah, it's yeah. an Oscar-winning episode. Yeah. The I... the second season of Barry is even better than the first of such a thing. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you. Yeah, it's just it's such a great show, and it just keeps getting better and better. And as oh, I know it you. can't be easy to figure out those stories. They're so great. Oh, thank you. It's hard. 
uh, <laughs> it kind of breaks my brain a little bit, but it's a lot of fun. And I like working with Alec Berg because I feel like we we complement each other well because I'm kind of the weird right right brain person and he's more left brain, very logical. And so I think it complements each other well. And yeah, so well, it's usually just kind of a conversation with us. It's, it, you know? and I love, I love, um, it, it really shows you off so well in terms of, you know, just your range as an actor, but also I'm so happy for Henry Winkler. Oh yeah. Because he's so incredible in and he's, the, he is the nicest person in the world, I think. He's Maybe ridiculously he nice. Is, you'd be yeah. hard pressed to find anybody. Top nice three. Yeah. Top three. Of course, there's me, then there's yeah. Henry Winkler, and, and then there's Jim Mitch Belushi. McConnell. Jim Belushi. The big three. Big three. <laughs> Belushi. <laughs> we interrupted you. You were telling us that each episode is going to have a theme. Well, yes. I just want one more thing about Barry. I was the only, my only complaint is that Paula Newsom got killed off. Because I know. She's an old friend of mine, and I loved her on the show. I thought she was so great with Henry. No, we had to. Spoiler she was the cop. Uh, she's the cop who Henry was in love with who got killed. That's who yeah. Paula Newsom is. She's a great actress. You guys follow her? It's a little media. No, she's really a great person, and uh, we knew that she was going to die when we hired her so it was this kind of thing of oh did she so she knew so she knew when she was hired i said you got the part i need to tell you that you die in the last episode and she was like oh okay well whatever you know (laughs) and um and she just was like i can't believe you're hiring me for a comedy you know and she just was like this is weird that you're and i was like no you're really funny your audition was hilarious and um she didn't push anything you know like she was very funny, but nothing was pushed. It was all very subtle and very real. And what she could do with her face and just do without doing a lot of anything. She also, in her audition, and I think you guys, she played drunk really well. Yeah. She she had an audition where she was drunk. And it's a scene with Henry where they're having a dinner and they get drunk together. And so many people, they really kind of go big with it. And she was so just, it was just a little off. Mm-hmm. And I remember being like, wow, she could play drunk really well. And that's, I think she's going to be good at everything. I hope she gets a lot <laughs> of know? other jobs out of this, yeah. out of that. Her people because, loved her on the show. Yeah, she, she's, nobody's really gotten to see her showcased like that. I don't think. Yeah, no, she was wonderful and it was a tough decision. You have these actors, she, and again, this is all spoiler. You haven't seen Barry, but, but uh, Glenn... Fleischler, who played Goron in the first season. He was also in True Detective. He's a great New York theater actor. We had to kill him as well. And it was just one of those things where we're all just going like, oh, gosh, why do we? But the story dictates it. And then I've usually been the one that has to make that call. Paula was easy because it was like, you're hired, FYI. (laughs) (laughs) This is, you know, um, but with Glenn and um, some of the other actors, John, who played Loach in season two, yeah, we always, that's a tough, that's a terrible phone call. Ugh. It's a terrible meeting. It's the worst part about being a showrunner is like, hey, so guess what? <laughs> you know? Yeah. They don't um, kill a lot of people off on like Parks and Rec or Will and Grace, so we don't have to go through that oh. as often. Oh, really? Well, Why we- not? <laughs> Well, Mike because Scherz the lead like, isn't a hitman, this maybe for starters. Karen doesn't like blow up. <laughs> <laughs> maybe Karen should. Will and Grace like is ending. Karen, I think Karen should blow up in the last like, episode. We don't know how to tell you this, but Karen blows up. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> it's like, well, does she die? And it's like, well, the way it's told, it's kind of ambiguous. <laughs> it's kind of ambiguous what happens. It's kind of just like you're just like a puff of smoke, and then credits. I mean, it could be a dream. It could be whatever. Big thing is, you're not coming back next week. <laughs> <laughs> that seems right to yeah, me. Yeah. I feel like I'm in a lobby for that. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. So I did say that we should talk about first, since we would have, so, so we have some kind of three line. Yeah, because this is our first podcast. It's our first podcast. Our first PCast. Um, we debated whether or not to call it "In Bed with Nick and Megan" or "In Bed with Megan and Nick." But see, oh. I think Nick and Megan sounds better. And I am a feminist. Those wow. two things can exist simultaneously, All right. I think. I, uh, and people probably like you better. So that I helps. wouldn't go that far. I don't think that's true. No. Oh, very nice. I Thank like you. Megan more. She gave me a career. <laughs> Thanks. <Yeah>. Okay, <laughs> well, should we talk that's about it? We should probably talk about it. First, you could take first. Uh, my first ever big moment in my life, you know, is Megan seeing Well, why don't I tell... Oh, so I'll tell... Yeah, we'll do half and half. So I'll... Nick and I will tell the story of how we, when we first saw you, and mm -hmm. then you can take mm -hmm. it from there. Nick, would you like to talk about your bro? Yeah, Ham? my brother, Matt Offerman, who is a very talented craft brewer mm -hmm. in Illinois, working at the Tribes Brewery. Hey, One of the best guys in the world. Uh, yeah, he's he's really the... Um, they're, they're, I have two sisters and a brother, and we're all smart and successful and good citizens, but Matt is really the apple of the family. He's and a great guy. He really is. Uh, he's really funny and smart. And he was in L.A. taking a swing at the biz and was taking a comedy class, sketch comedy and improv. At the improv on Melrose. Well, was it a Second City it was class? Second City, L.A., in our in our stage was that's that space right next to the, the improv oh, yeah next to the improv yeah, okay. next to the improv yeah got it so we met bill in that class so the mm -hmm. so the first time we we saw bill was when we went to see their like final scenes yeah uh, was that like was an presentation end of the it was a, yeah season. the the level 5 show at yeah it was our, your your final level class show and then after that you're done with second city so and, uh, they're about like six or seven guys and yeah five or six yeah women yeah and and uh one of them was lee's belfay who became matt's wife yes and so as we get to the end of this story you'll learn you sort of came out of the class with what you did mm -hmm. and she ended up with matt yes so some are and yeah. matt ended up with her Okay, so Nick and I used to live in a duplex in West Hollywood. What year was it? This is 2000. This is, it was the fall of 2004. Okay. Nick and I, Matt invited us to come see his end of the season performance. We hadn't seen anything. We'd never seen Matt perform. We'd never seen any of his friends from the class. So we went and we were sitting there and the show started and there were a couple, two or three sketches, and we were like, oh, it's great. You know? And then all I can say is this superstar with a giant beam of light shining on him walked onto the stage. Of course, there was no actual beam of light. That was just yeah. your aura. Yeah, like yeah. Eleanor Dusa, you walked <laughs> <laughs> onto the stage and just proceeded to blow everyone's minds. And I mean, look. Everybody else in the group was really good. 
but <laughs> it's hard to tell this story without like seeming to diss everybody else. Yeah. But I mean, I, I don't know if you've seen Bill Hader anywhere ever do anything, but he's incredible. He's just like a true talent. He's just gifted. He was so sharp. He was so funny. He did impersonations. He did physical comedy. He did everything. And we were just like our jaws were on the floor. Well, the, I, I specifically remember the first thing I believe you did was a sketch and it was James Mason in mm -hmm. a donut shop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> was, James Mason was an expired an expired gift certificate for a dozen donuts. <laughs> it was a long walk. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we, everybody adjourned to Cantor's Deli, which is a famous Los Angeles Jewish deli on Fairfax in uh, Los Angeles after the show. And we went as well. And I went up to Bill and I introduced myself. And you were wearing a little uh, suit jacket with a shirt and a little skinny tie. Mm -hmm. And I said, hi, blah, 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 blah. Um, would it be weird if I called Lauren Michaels about you? Yeah. And you were like, um, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> He said, no, that would be fine. And you didn't even have an agent. I had no manager. I had no agent. I had nothing. I was working as an assistant editor on Iron Chef America, and I was taking those classes. Oh, man. Classes. Do you miss it? Yeah, I really do. <laughs> I remember thinking there was, we had footage of Bobby Flay electrocuting himself, and I was like, this is the best it's ever going to get. Did you say Iron Chef Master? America. Iron Chef, oh, see, I didn't know if it was, it was Iron Chef America. I feel like you might have made a mistake. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, was on, I remember I was in my edit bay editor. at Iron Chef America, and I got a call from you saying, hi, it's, it's Megan, I'm, I'm Matt's. Uh, sister-in-law, I, I know who you are, and you go, um, hey, I told Laura Michaels about you, and you, they might want to meet you. You might get a call about you, and I was like, what? Oh, okay, and I had this editor was mad at me because I had I had arranged his project the way he didn't want to arrange it. So I was just looking at him, and he's like going, get off your phone, and I was like, hold on, and I went outside. Oh. And mm. immediately, I just became a dick. No, no, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> uh, but I went, okay, and then... I hung up with you and I was kind of digesting it and then my phone rang and it was, uh, hi, this is Lindsay Shookus. I'm an assistant in the talent department. Now she runs the department. And I talked to her and then I went out and met Lauren and I thought, well, this is so cool. I'll tell my grandkids, like I one time met Lauren Michaels and that's it. And then another nice thing you did was you had Molly Shannon call me, who I'd never met to say, Hey, can you give him any pointers or whatever? Because he's really, you know, he doesn't know any, you know, the green, as green as green can be. He's from Nebraska. He's from, <laughs> yeah. Or, or, oh, yeah. And then she she gave me great advice. Like, don't, don't try to be funny. Like, he loves books and movies and, and comedy, but don't go in there trying to, like, do an audition. Don't do this. Don't do that. Just be yourself and, and, uh, and uh, he'll respect that. And that was an invaluable advice so i met him and he went do you know where you're here <laughs> <laughs> and he's like you know megan saw you and said you're really good and and uh you know and he goes what era of the show did you like and i told him i like dana carvey and phil hartman was kind of the first thing i remember and he was like when do you leave and i said oh no he said um you know i was on a boat once 
And there was a guy in the boat and he was funny the way that Bill Murray is funny. And I thought to myself, I know Bill Murray. <laughs> and I went, okay. And then he said, when do you leave? I go, tonight. And he goes, well, it's Friday. I go, yeah. And he goes, well, the show's tomorrow. I went, yeah, yeah, but my flight's tonight. He's like, oh, well, you should stay and watch the show. Leave out, leave Sunday morning. And I went, okay. What does that mean? And so if you watch uh, Topher Grace hosting, he's doing his monologue, and Jason Sudeikis, who was a writer at the show at the time, stands up to give a question from the audience, the monologue. You can see me in the background with Mike Shoemaker oh. leaning against the wall <laughs> with like a visitor's badge on. Wow. Totally freaked out going, I can't believe I'm watching this. That's amazing. This is oh. so cool. And it's all because of you. That, oh. that like totally changed my life. Yeah. Well, I'm so thrilled. And I know Nick is too. I'm. We're so thrilled to have had anything no, to do with your no, success. It's every, every milestone. I mean, that was a cool thing when I, my last episode, Lindsay Shookus came over to me and was like, I have something for you. She gave me an envelope and inside it was the post-it note. And then I have it. It says Megan Mullally Rec, Bill Hater, my last name spelled wrong, and then my my phone number at the time. And so she kept the post-it note and gave it to me. And I was like, oh my Whoa, gosh. that's so crazy. She's like, could you imagine if this fell off my desk? <gasps> She's like, your whole life would oh. be different. <laughs> if you have that, I'd love to get a Yeah, a, yeah. A it's pretty amazing. It. So it's cool. like your name. Well, when I called like, him, because you know, I, I had never called him before. I had hosted the show that year in February of 2004. Mm -hmm. So this is all making more sense now. And... But I never, you know, I wasn't in the habit of like, I wasn't like phone pals with Lorne. And, um, you know, he's, I love him, but I mean, I think at first he's like, he can be a little intimidating. Yeah, yeah. But when I called him, I'll never forget, I was, I know, I know exactly where I was standing in our house and everything, because it was after we moved from our duplex. And um, I told him the story and I said, my brother-in-law's in his class and there's this guy and he's a superstar. And there was a pause and he said, okay, you say this because I can't say it as Lauren Michaels because I can't impersonate anybody well. Okay, well, fly him out. He better be good. <laughs> oh, that's terrifying. <laughs> terrifying. Say it. Okay, fly him out. He better be good. <laughs> <laughs> and then I was like, oh, snap, he better be good because now I'm going to be in trouble. How would he know? I mean, he's like, I'm going to tell him a vague story about Bill Murray and I'll know how talented he is based on <laughs> So bizarre. Yeah. I've, and I've heard him since tell that story like three or four times, and it always stops right there. <laughs> I was on a boat once in Egypt. He said it once in front of Steve Martin. He went, I was on a boat once in Egypt. And Steve, under his breath, was like, I was on a plane once in Des Moines. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and Bill and I are both from Oklahoma, yeah. which we discovered yeah. after the fact. I'm from Oklahoma City, and Bill's from Tulsa. Yeah. I have a lot of relatives in Tulsa. I have Tulsa. a lot of relatives in Oklahoma City. Which was also crazy. So then Oklahoma, you could imagine, exploded at this news. Mm -hmm. That's <laughs> two people who got out, met each other, and like helped each other out. And so, yeah, anytime I go back to Tulsa, it's like, how's Megan doing? You know what I mean? And I'm like, she's good. They're great. Like, it's all for good. So you could argue for the listeners of our podcast that if you want to break into comedy, 
consider moving to Oklahoma. Yes, move yeah. to Oklahoma, then to LA, and then have Megan Mullally see ask, you at a ask show. Ask me to come to your show. I know, um, that's usually what I say when people go, so how do you do it? And I go, you work hard, and then pray that Megan Mullally sees you in a show. <laughs> and <Yeah>. then you <laughs> make it, like, I don't know how to Move say to it. LA, <laughs> yeah. get next to my brother. Yes, Matt Offerman, and then, who was, I have to say, Matt is, uh, you know, like you said, he's a, a brewer of craft beers and, and he's a, a great guy. I have to say, he was incredibly funny and he was, oh, he's we were in a funny. sketch comedy group together as well with two other guys. Animals from the future. Animals from the future. Um, and that was just such a sketchy comedy name. Um, I remember Sandberg couldn't remember one. He goes, whatever your group was, like, Fuckheads from the <laughs> <laughs> whatever, um, but Matt Matt was always this kind of um, again. He was very natural, and he was one of those guys. I always think about. I can't explain it. You know, it's like my. I remember my daughter. We watched like silent comedies together, and she likes. And she goes, "I don't really like Charlie Chaplin. I like Buster Keaton." And I say, "Why?" And she goes, "Well, Charlie Chaplin wants me to like him," and I was like, mm. "Oh yeah, you're right." <laughs> And Matt was that Buster Keaton thing. Like, he just had this performance thing on stage where people, you would project what was happening <laughs> yeah. on his face. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. he, doesn't, he doesn't give you that thing. You, you, and that's, like, confidence. You know, he had, like, this weird confidence on stage mm -hmm. where I would want to, like, you know, go, Bleh, you know, <laughs> whatever to get a laugh. He would just kind of be this still thing. So I was, I really thought he was a great performer. Yeah, he was great. And Nick has that confidence too, or Nick will do this thing. Cause I don't know, I'm, I'm much more of a perfectionist. Like mm -hmm. I don't want to get on stage until I know yeah. exactly what it is yeah. and I have it all figured out and I'm confident that people aren't going to ask for their money back. But Nick will go and walk onto a stage with sold out house to just try stuff out yeah, I don't know that he's never that. done in front of people before. I just, I don't know. I don't know how you it takes a lot of do that. balls. I don't either. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's talk about some firsts. All right, so who was your first kiss, Nick? Whew. Me. You, honey. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the, the, who else? the first who one else? I can remember. Yeah. Uh, there were, you know. I had his brain wiped from before we met. You Everything before the, the year 2000 is just a blank. I feel like in junior high, uh, there was a coach named Mr. Ballantyne. Oh, boy. And he would have Where's this going? parties. Oh, no. <laughs> no. Um, and, you know, sometimes... And he would give me a shampoo after practice. <laughs> <laughs> if your muscles were tight, you know, and give you, give you a little oh. bit of the business. <laughs> no. He would have parties. He did, he did that thing. Wait. And he had a son that was our age. So he would have these characters. Nothing is adding up. <laughs> Nothing sounds good so far. Who did have, you first kiss? Who had all these other characters? Like a, he would have these kissing parties. No, no. Would, just, just the name of who you kissed. Amy Baker. Okay, so the coach had a party and she was there. And how did you end up kissing her? Uh, they had like a closet that you would go oh, in to yeah, kiss. Oh, yeah. Like spin the bottle or something? No, it's just like you would let someone know if you wanted to kiss them. Is Amy Baker, Baker Sarah Baker's mother? Uh, I don't know. Maybe. To be honest, yeah, that was that was the beginning and end of our uh, of our of any sparks between me and Amy Baker. How about you? 
Uh, my first kiss was a girl named Jennifer Dennis in Tulsa. It was at a Halloween party, and I remember she had to stand on a rock sure. to kiss me. And I remember the Ghetto Boys song, My Mind's Playing Tricks on Me, was playing at the party. So when I hear that song, I think I'm like, the first time I kissed a girl was the song. And then the second time we kissed, you'll appreciate this. I was such a film nerd at the time. She wanted to go see Father of the Bride. And instead, I was like, no, we got to go see this movie called Barton Fink. <laughs> so I took her to Barton Fink, and we kissed in Barton Fink again, which oh, was so funny. Oh, so it was a continuing. Yeah, we, we were going with each other. Oh, man. Nice. How yeah. old were you? Uh, it's like 13. How old were you? Mm, yeah, 12, 13, something like that. I thought you lost your virginity when you were like 12. So how could you have had your first kiss when you were 13? Wait, don't tell me. The coach felt bad for you. And... <laughs> <laughs> well, you struck out with Amy, huh? All right. Yeah, we're going to do virginity in a second. So let me show you my... It was a year with a lot of action packed into it. My first kiss. Uh, pillow collection nickname. bill hater <laughs> <laughs> right now now my first kiss was a kid named greg hubbard and he had long blonde hair i don't know how i met him because he wasn't from my school he was way cooler than the kids from my school because they were all private school dumbasses and they we had a really strict dress code so nobody had long hair but he had done it before so he indoctrinated me. And we were laying on a couch in a den at Kelsey Van Cleef's house in Oklahoma City. And, um, yeah, it really, like, blew my mind. So that was that. And then yeah, uh, I think I was saying, like, a summer before eighth grade, maybe. Yeah. What was his name? Greg. Greg Hubbard. That's such a great name. It's such a cool kid's name, isn't it? It was a party at Greg Hubbard's house. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, Hubbard just shot somebody. <laughs> Hubbard shot like. I wonder if he's on Facebook. I thought I'm he was just on, inside kissing Facebook. Megan. I thought he was like kissing Megan, him. but dude, he fucking shot Derek. Like <laughs> <laughs> he shot Derek Colson, just like bam, like that. I think I might have met him on the golf course. Isn't that the golf course? That's story? a very Oklahoma. I think I met him on the golf course. I think I picked him up and brought him back to Kelsey's house. Um, what other first besides virginity well, do we want to? Bill, do you, uh, do you happen to remember any of that James Mason thing? Oh, yeah. He was like, um, yes, I like to buy a dozen donuts with this gift certificate. <laughs> and I'd also like your biggest bottle of you. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, I see. How much is the donuts without the gift certificate? <laughs> yes, yes, I see. That was basically <laughs> And that's like a thing you're doing in the shower by yourself, and then you're like, oh, I guess I'll put that in my audition for oh. SNL. And... Some people like to deep clean every Saturday morning. I prefer to spend a few minutes every day keeping things fresh with Lysol. Lysol's brand new day disinfecting wipes conveniently tackle surfaces, including remotes, tablets, and smartphones, killing 99.9% .9 of viruses and bacteria with a fragrance that feels like a tropical getaway for your senses. <sighs> Don't just clean, Lysol clean. I remember I did that and I did 
It was like Peter Falk teaching like a guy helping someone with an audition for a Method Man Red Man well, you had audition. A, and it was the, weird. Yeah, and then you also had the, that became Vidici. a string of uh, Peter Falk coaching Star Wars auditions. Yeah, that would never got on air, but I tried it, and that was that was when I learned the term hat on a hat because <laughs> mm-hmm. Lauren was like. You teaching someone Star Wars auditions is already a sketch, but you making that Peter Falk, it like cancels, it cancels itself out. <laughs> so I don't know why you're doing this. And I just remember it, it yeah, bombed pretty Didn't bad. you do Al Pacino on your first episode? Yeah, I did Al Pacino. Toward the end of the show. No, it was actually oh, was that this like, second sketch, I remember. And Amy Poehler was Sharon Stone. And I remember very clearly, I just remember it was a impression parade type thing. And everybody was, Steve Carell was the host and he did Ray Romano and they were just moving around. And I just, in my head, I remember, cause I couldn't do it. I can't like, I had to like practice it a bunch. Like you have to warm it up and before you do it. So I remember when Amy went, that was when, when I knew I had to like start to know my breast, start to do it. <laughs> I just, the, just the terror. I, I'm getting nervous thinking about it. Just mm. waiting for it to get to Amy. Oh, and then Amy was like, Sharon Stone, like, hello, yes. You know, and then I was like, <laughs> I just was like muttering under my breath. And then they got to me and I did it and it got a nice um, applause. And then I was like, oh, cool. But, um, and then after that, I kind of, I got really in my head and was terrified. You know, I've never said this out loud. I'm almost 100% positive. But I remember your first season that I was very, on your behalf, very competitive with Andy Samberg for uh-huh. you. Like, I I was like, oh, yeah. I was like, don't give Samberg any material. I didn't yeah. want him to, like, get I wanted no, no. you only as the new, as the two new guys. I wanted them to feature you. And I was like, Andy Samberg, he's not cute. He's so cute. Yeah. He's not, he's so funny. He, I mean, everything I was guy. saying was totally yeah. Well, no, it's not a thing. True. It was a good lesson for me, too, because when Lazy Sunday happened, it was this interesting time where I'm not like a very competitive person, but I was seen within the, you know, with certain people, it wasn't so much competitiveness or jealousy, but it was like uh, more of an envy of like, man, I need something like that. Man, that, why don't you think of that? Wow, that's so great. They're doing short films. But when you're on that show, people on the street are coming up and telling me that. They're like, hey, why aren't they using you? <laughs> you know? <laughs> Like, hey, that guy, Sandberg, he's uh, he's killing you, man. I mean, he's the new guy, right? I mean, what happened? You know, or what's this? And, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and it was a good lesson of like, well, I could take this on and totally fuck up this great chance, or you just make it about the work and I can only put in two good pieces. And also, Andy and I wrote stuff together. Like, we did the Laser Cats thing. Like, we just yeah, started yeah. doing stuff together. And it was, I just watched, it was like a roller coaster because then that happened and then Wig blew up. And then, you know, uh, you know, it was just, it was all these, you know, when Tina did Sarah Palin, it was like a rock show, every show, you know, and it had nothing to do with us. And that was great. Yeah, you were on I loved it. Great. crazy time. It was great, but it was so much fun to just be like, uh, I just remember thinking, oh, I should be consistent. Mm-hmm. I just try to be as consistent as I can and just whatever they put me in, just do a good job. And I, I know I should know this character's name, but I... Stefan. Yeah, when did you first do Stefan? <laughs> <laughs> we don't do research on this show. No, we just I, depend on somebody to remember That was us. a sketch that John Mulaney and I wrote, and it was me as Stefan. This is a hat on a hat. Me as Stefan with Ben Affleck 
and it, the idea was that we were like this, this these two brothers who wrote like kids movies and he was there first the meeting and they, and he was like and you know Andy was I think the executive and he was like hey man this movie you know your last two films haven't been too good you know and we need another kids movie from you guys it's like a Disney movie and uh he goes well you know uh, my brother you know he's just he's been going through some stuff and I think it's going to be all right and all this and then the joke was that I came in as Stefan and so it's like him pitching the movie going yeah it's a movie you know, it's a story about this this grandpa who's helping a kid, you know, his son be quarterback, you know, in the, in the football team. And then I would go, and the grandpa has, like, really, like, tight jeans. Like, the <laughs> jeans have this seam. And he has, like, a kind of, like, he's, like, sunburn, like, sunburn old man. Like, and he always wears, like, a white shirt, you know? And it was just <laughs> very... And then there was, like, a thing with a, a little person in it. And I said, you know, and he's super jacked. <laughs> and he has like a pony keg chest that's what i said a pony keg chest and everybody was like what the fuck is this and the audience was like no um and it, it died and then we tried another time we went out oh, forget about it and then doug abels who was running update came in and said i love that weird guy pitching the movie thing could you can he work on update and you just simplify it like he's just saying hey here's a a place to go to like he's the you know he just in two seconds just walked by and just pitched like you know maybe he's the guy saying hey when you come to new york go to these places wow. or whatever or something you know and then walked off wow and, then, and who, who did you say wrote the original sketch well john mulaney and i oh, worked on all those but john is really the guy that i mean so much of the the weird specifics and stuff is all from john i i'm just that's why i'm laughing the whole time because He's throwing stuff at me that I'm not expecting. When I hosted last time, he came out as my lawyer, Shy, who's also a piss artist. Oh, yeah. And uh, he's my he's my lawyer and he's a piss artist. And, and at dress and stuff, John kind of played it like, kind of like Stefan, like kind of fey. But then on air, he went, hello, gentlemen. <laughs> 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 he was like, gentlemen, nice to meet you. I am shy. I am at like he just played it totally differently. And I started laughing and then he whispered in my ear, uh, which he had not done before. He goes, Well, I have something to tell you, Stefan. I was like, what? And he whispered in my ear, My girlfriend works at Yoshinoa Beef Bowl. <laughs> and then walked away. And I just was I was a mess. I just I just my first joke was one i didn't know on when i hosted last is stefan i came out and michael che and colin jost are there and they say so stefan what is the thing and i go well uh, good to see you again la la land moonlight <laughs> <laughs> uh, and i was like dude <laughs> one time he put dan cortez in every single club so i would hit things and it was like dan cortez it was like i said dan cortez's name like five times and i could not stop laughing it was just yeah that's all john all right what's the first joke you remember um i remember the first joke you'll appreciate this this is the first joke i remember telling was my dad's mother was visiting us he's from chicago and they're kind of like liberal family in Chicago. And they came to Tulsa and it's like, what is this? And she was driving with us in the car. And I was probably about eight. 
And we drove past Oral Roberts University. <gasps> the praying hands. And then those big praying hands. Yeah. Big uh, sculpture of massive sculpture of praying hands. And my grand, she was my viewpoint of my point of view of her is just the back of her head driving. She goes, "How is that?" You know, she just thought, was like, ugh. Your mom? What, no, my grandma. Oh, your grandma. Oh. What the heck is, what the hell is that? <laughs> nice. And I just like, what is it? And I go, uh, and I said, you know, at midnight they clap. <gasps> and she didn't let, it was just like this, just her head. Like She just like, like maybe I was telling the truth because I didn't like yuck it up. I was like, at midnight they clap. And there was just this silence in her kind of like looking and then she started driving and then she started dying laughing where she realized i had told a joke and then she went home and told my parents and it was that thing where then they came in and were like what did you say to your grandma and i go i said they clap and they started cracking up and then they told their friends and it became like a thing i was like oh i said something funny everybody like that how old were you eight. Oh wow so it felt really like oh what oh. about you mr offerman oh god i mean i was so cultureless I'm sure that I had jokes that I repeated that were terrible. Let's tell about you in the background on the home videos. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I grew up in a real culture vacuum. Like, there was just no one around. Manuka, Illinois? Manuka, Illinois. Yeah. Wonderful small town, yeah. really nice yeah. And family. you have a really great and very big family. Yeah, incredible uh, salt-of-the-earth people. Literally every adult in the family is a public servant and of some sort. And they all live... Nick's two sisters and his brother live on the same block and or across the street from his parents, like today, right now. Yeah. They can all see each other from the front door. They have a tight setup. Yeah. And so, but, but there was nobody bringing the cool books and TV and music. Yeah. Like, it, it wasn't until theater school that I got any of that. So I, I grew up, like, knowing I wanted to, like, entertain people, but not not knowing. And actually, Saturday Night Live was one of the things that I was like, you know, my cousin and I would do two wild and crazy guys yeah. kind of thing. But I I was miles away from making any connection like, oh, I could become an entertainer. Yeah. And so you have the perfect analogy. So there's this home video of me, maybe age 12 or so, preparing to lose my virginity. Um, it's somebody <laughs> panning. It's like a it's like a big family gathering. We're, we're at our it's fishing like Fourth cabin. of July or yeah, yeah. And somebody is doing a slow pan across the giant family of like thirty five people and everybody's just Nick's family are not extroverts, I think it's safe to say. They're very quiet, soft spoken. Mm. They're not drawing attention to themselves they're all just kind of shyly like nodding at the camera and maybe a wave at the most and they get to nick and this is not great for audio only but he's jumping up and down and going like this pointing at himself he's just double hands <laughs> yeah. pointing at his own face also, and also just jumping up and down with a idiotic smile making a tiny bicep and pointing at oh point at your biceps right check this out right yeah, like nick, there's a camera nick younger you yeah nick younger wasn't as thick and beefy as mm -hmm. nick as a more of a post yeah sophomore in high school young nick was more of a fish yeah young nick was right yeah <laughs> um i was at my grandmother's house this isn't a joke really but i was at my grandmother's house uh in newport beach my grandparents house and i was three and i was upstairs my grandparents my aunt and uncle 
my mother and father and another older couple of friends of my grandparents were, those four couples were sitting in the living room having cocktails. And uh, I was upstairs and I remember thinking, okay, it's time. And I thought, well, I have to do something with my hair. And there was a round <laughs> banister at the top of the stairs. And I thought, I'll roll it. I'll roll it around the banister like Bozo and it'll have a nice, it'll do a flip. And then I held it there for like a few seconds and I let it go and it just fell back down. I was like, okay, I'm just going to have to go with that. And so I raced down the stairs, which were kind of curved, and I emerged into what I now realize was a proscenium arch, which divided the dining room from the living room. And there were like three steps down to the two st shallow steps down to the living room. And I got to the middle of this dining room area facing the living room where these four adult couples were sitting and I threw my arms out to the side and I yelled out, ladies and gentlemen, introducing the world's greatest clown. <laughs> and then I proceeded to go into my act, which I hadn't thought through at all. So that really like fizzled out to nothing, but I had announced my intentions and I don't know where it came from because I'd never really spoken. Uh -huh. I never, I was so shy. I never said anything or did anything or certainly didn't draw any attention to my, myself. Yeah. And then oh, that wow. happened. It's really That's interesting, sweet. though, because we, we all of our stories kind of have an element of a natural expression of, okay, everybody, showtime. Yeah, and you right. you knew that was a, a good joke when you said it. Yeah, and I knew on some level not to make it, sit, like, the more serious I said it, the funnier it would be. Mm -hmm. And I remember going, oh, wow, that's also seeing good stuff. You know, my parents were really young. When they they were twenty and twenty three when I was born, so I was watching what they're watching. So it was like Monty Python, the Holy Grail, and Spinal Tap was a big one, and just kind of going like, "Oh, that's the way you should perform comedy," and some level, you know, of that kind of more, like it was funnier if you said, "Oh, at midnight it collapsed," mm -hmm. you know. <laughs> I remember you talking about your dad. I remember your dad. My first time I went back to L.A. after I was on SNL, I saw. Matt and your dad and your and Matt was like, yeah, Bill super nervous on his first show, and <laughs> your dad went, oh, you look like you've been doing it your whole life, Aww. and I forget that meant the world to me, yeah. <laughs> and I just was like, thank you, Mr. Hoffman, I really appreciate that, and I and he goes, no, you know what you're doing, and I was like. Thank you, sir. <laughs> and Matt, and I was like, yeah, that just blew up in your face, asshole. <laughs> you're, trying to, you're trying to give me shit. And he was like, no, he was, I thought he was great. And I was like, oh, cool. Aren't Matt and Nick and their dad sort of like triplets? They're the same person. Same it's spooky. Person. It's very spooky. I can't spend a lot of time around Nick's dad because then I feel like I'm having sex with his dad. If Nick and I then have sex, <laughs> I can't get it out of my head. Mm. And I, I want to get it out of my head. Huh. huh. <laughs> <laughs> right here in this bed. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I just, that's why I limit, I limit our visits. My dad. Yeah, yeah your pop right in here. <laughs> when I feel like it's mad, I don't mind this. as much. Sure. <laughs> no, but, uh, but yeah, no, that was rad. But no, when I was a kid, I don't, I don't remember, but didn't have like the hardcore theater, but I, I was, I was the guy that my girlfriend was going to be 
auditioning for the glass menagerie and i was like will you kiss somebody well i better go in and (laughs) you know and then you know i was the the gentleman caller in glass menagerie in high school you know it was like stuff like that and then but i was more like wanting to be like a director and a writer and all that stuff was that the first thing you acted in yeah yeah basically the first like wow that's a good thing to start off on and my dad i remember afterwards was like how did you know all those words? How do you, how do you, do you know what I mean? Like they're so coming from people who aren't what theater they... people, but he just was like, how do you memorize all that? What, how how do you guys do? know all that? He ran, he ran, he still runs an air freight company. Oh. But he's really funny and all that. But yeah, just, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That, that I always found that really great and inspiring. I keep on kind of wanting to stay in that place where I remember my dad used to work on a, I used to drive trucks and remember the guys in the trucking and I had to read Of Mice and Men for school. And I had it with me because of my dad. I would stay at there after school. And all these truck drivers were like, oh, I remember reading that. You know, these just total blue collar guys were like, oh, I cried reading that. You know, George and Lenny. Oh, God. Yeah, he, hurt, he doesn't know his own strength and he hurts the girl. And oh, God, what a story. You know, all that Aww. stuff. And you're like, oh, yeah, that's I really love that. And appreciate yeah. that. And but you th- you th- think your dad's funny? Do you think and your mom yeah. too? Yeah, they're both very funny. Yeah, yeah, he's very silly. Both of them are. Yeah, your parents are funny. They are. Yeah, I. Uh, they both have a lot of humor. My mom used to write. Uh, on SNL, what? On SNL, yeah. yeah. She did? She came up with Coneheads. Wow. That's weird that that never came up yeah. in conversation. It's like, oh, your yeah. mother is writing Coneheads, man. <laughs> <laughs> you leave she, mother alone. She's working she on would, She would write. New, uh, she's writing Coffee Talk right now for Mr. Myers. <laughs> <laughs> I never heard this. Yeah. yeah, she's done a lot of stuff. <laughs> She did uh, punch up for Robin Williams. She's got a couple of pieces in the Met. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she used to write these poems for like your birthday or uh, for holidays that were funny. And they'd end up on the refrigerator. And I always found that astonishing, just like funny, cute, or lovely A-B rhymes. Mm-hmm. And to this day, like I still am obsessed with all of my songs that I write for oh, comedy. Yeah are all just trying to, like, impress my mom. Oh, that's sweet. Well, my dad was very, uh, very funny, but in a really extroverted way. Um, weird. Like, he was a weird, like, meta sense of humor, very dark sense of humor. And my mom, but I think as a, as time has gone on, I, I kind of have appreciated my mom's sense of humor more and more and more. The point where I wonder if, in a certain way, she was even a little funnier than my dad. My dad did like full bits, like really? fully committed. Oh yeah, I'd come home from school in like third grade, and I'd say, "Where's mom?" It was the only year I took the bus. I'd say, "Where's mom?" And he's, he'd tell me that she died. Oh Jesus Christ! And he wouldn't stop. <laughs> wow. Yeah, no, it Jesus. wasn't necessarily a good thing, but he did a lot of stuff like that. My mom just was more kind of quietly. She'd just come out with these little things that would really get you. I like the understated. Or like my grandfather was really funny in a super understated way where he was, I got like some money for my birthday once and he was a hunter. He was like, you know, if you 
how much money did you get? I go, I got twenty dollars. He goes, you know, if you give me that twenty dollars, I could put it towards a scope on my rifle, and then hear me out. Every other day, you can come over to the house and you can look through it. <laughs> Let me finish. And, but totally straight faced. And it was hysterical, oh, you know, so but just good. very straight faced. You can come over and yeah, you can look through it if you want. <laughs> that's you know, great. no. That's one of it's the funny as you get older, you see those things more. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, what an influence they had. My, my dad's dad, who was the mayor of Manuka for a time, Grandpa Ray, when you would ride with him in his car, uh, through the cornfields, he would honk out in the middle of nowhere and just wave <laughs> towards the middle distance out in the field. And you, you'd look at him and you're like, <laughs> and that, that's one of the first, that's maybe the first joke I remember. I love yeah. stuff like that. Where I was like, uh-huh, so I'm going to use that one, Grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> We'd be eating dinner, and my father would pretend to have a massive heart attack and fall Jesus over into a plate. No, it was like that. That's what I'm saying. Oh my gosh! It wasn't always easy. He would go dark. He goes dark fast. That's funny though. I remember one of the first other jokes that my sisters and I did was, "This is a thing a hundred people don't bet at our bus stop, which was across the street from our house. It's a cool bus stop. They put out a, a sign that said slow." underneath the children at play and so we would like play slow <laughs> and we, we would like hit each other slow and like That's people were driving one. by and we would act like really slow how old <laughs> Uh, we were like elementary school, first, second oh, grade, or whatever. That's very but, advanced. Yeah, yeah, we were laughing, just like <laughs> how stupid that was. I don't know. Something about just that sort of thing makes me laugh. Just very weird, specific Oklahoma, Midwestern. Like that's why like Bob and Ray makes me laugh so hard because it's so just understated. Do you ever listen to Bob and Ray? Mm, what oh, is it? Oh man, that's a uh, Bob it's Elliott. It's a radio show. It's a Bob Elliott, uh, uh, Chris Elliott's dad, mm. Elliott's grandfather, and this guy Ray Goulding, and they just do these. I mean, it's like Larry David, Lauren Michaels, all these people. It's their favorite. I didn't realize that yeah, they're was, huge. that he was related to. That's his dad. Chris yeah, <gasps> that's wow. his dad, and I mean, some of the best. Like, I still listen to him in my car, and I will be crying, laughing. And anytime I've heard out with Larry David, he's always like, dude, the Komodo Dragon, because I'll do both people. <laughs> but, like, the Komodo Dragon thing is just a guy saying, so we're here with Dr. So-and-so, uh, foremost expert on the Komodo Dragon. And so it was like, yes, the Komodo Dragon is from the outer archipelago of the, is, you know, whatever, and the, the outside of Rinja in the South Seas. All right, that's very nice. So uh, where are they from? <laughs> and it's a super simple thing of an interviewer just not listening to the guy and the guy trying to be polite. <laughs> and it's, and uh, Slow Talkers of America is really like, you. if you watch Seinfeld, you will see like, oh yeah, Bob and Ray has such a huge, like the close talker, like those weird specific things are Super Bob and Ray inspired. It's great. I highly recommend it. What was the first uh, comedy 
television show or movie or, 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 or maybe a record that you heard that really inspired you, that you just really responded to in a different way? I mean, I saw my Python the Holy Grail when I was super young, mm -hmm. and I just showed it to my oldest daughter mm. last year when she was eight, and it was like, I think I might have shed a tear because she was just laughing at the Black Knights like crazy hard. Ah. And I took a video of it where she was just crying, laughing, and then she's acting it out with her sisters like, no, you didn't, you know, all that stuff. Oh. But I mean, it's still one of the funniest. But what I liked about it, too, was that it didn't look like a comedy. It looked grimy. It looked like a Pasolone movie or something. It just looked like grimy. It looked what I thought, mm -hmm. yeah, that's probably what the Middle Ages were. It's just people <laughs> covered in shit. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And just ugly and just awful, you know. But I think of I, that movie, when I watched it again with my daughter, I was like, oh, man, so much of what I do now is... Uh, is because I saw this movie when I was like six. Saw it in Tulsa? Yeah, I was on mm. television one night. Oh. And I watched it and just lost my mind. I mean, I guess mine would be a tie between some of the sitcoms, some other sitcoms of that time, because I was born in late 1958, 60s and early 70s. But the main ones for me were Carol Burnett's show, and um, the really big one, though, that I had to really think about a lot, and I still think about it, was uh, Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman. Oh, yeah. It was the weirdest That's show. That's a really bizarre one. That I'd ever seen. Mary Kay Place was on that. Louise Lasser was, played Mary Hartman. All these great people Another came fellow out of that Oklahoman, show. Mary Kay Place. Yeah. yeah. She's, uh, she's such a great person, too. I love her. Um, but, yeah, I loved uh, Mary Hartman. Mary Hartman was just such a... It was a sitcom that was on during prime prime time, but it was very. Um, how would you describe it? I mean, it's surreal. Very it's surreal. Kind of, yeah, yeah, it's very strange. First, the first like kind of meta thing yeah. I think uh, that had ever been on that I knew about that was like a mainstream thing. It was on mm. network television. I mean, it was a very weird show, and I loved it. And I remember thinking, "What is this all about?" I was obsessed with it. What about you? Oh, I'm, I'm fascinated when things that are that strange, knowing how, you know, corporate networks operate. Yeah. Like, how the hell did that get Is that through? Norman Lear? Did he do that? Uh, that's a good question. I don't no. think so. It felt like a show that Maybe. the only way you could get on is the person is who did Norman it Lear? was, like, a, at the height of their powers and right. just went, you're doing my next show. Yeah. You know, yeah. like it's Norman Lear, James L. Brooks or someone or... Norman Lear. Yeah, Norman Lear walked in and was like, Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman. I go, we don't, you know what, we trust you. We just, we know it's going to be right down the middle. <laughs> it was so weird. It didn't even have, it didn't really have a theme song. It just had somebody going, Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman. I mean, it was very strange. Oh. Yeah, you should it watch it. It wasn't too strange. I watched it a couple of years ago and was uh, like really into it. Yeah. Like, this is so bizarre that this got made. But you, I would say that after every episode, I'm like, how did this get made? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I gotta check it out. So cool that that's mm -hmm. how Norman Lear used his powers. Was like, oh, I'm gonna do this crazy thing. Mm -hmm. Mine are, I think, more of people. Like I love Taxi, love, and it was watching stuff with my dad for some reason. Like what made my dad laugh? I paid attention to Jackie Gleason. Carol Burnett and Tim Conway and Harvey Corman, like those, yeah. mm. the their sense of humor, 
Reverend Jim Ignatowski on Taxi. Oh, yeah, that's a big Lloyd. one for you, yeah. Um, and then also the certain characters in John Hughes movies, which because I wasn't getting a lot of, like, counterculture stuff, John Hughes movies were one of the most complex things that came my way. But I was really drawn to Jeffrey Jones as the principal mm -hmm. and Ferris Bueller and uh, Paul Gleason, who was the principal in Breakfast Club. Mm -hmm. Like how hilarious these guys were being super hyper dead serious. Mm -hmm. Like you better grab some lumber, bub. And I was like, that is a good They're way to just, make also just like super impotent, like authority figures. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they have like authority figures who have nothing no, they're this lame. Yeah, yeah. I just, I kind of blew Nick's mind the other night because I told him that I had like three or four callbacks for the Breakfast Club, and what? I in one of them I had to put lipstick on with my boobs. Oh wow! Isn't that because crazy? Molly Ringwald had it. And they they hadn't done it yet. They were like, we don't. John Hughes was like, I don't even really know if this is possible. Mm -hmm. I was like, I'll try it. He was like, Does anybody want to try? I was like, Yeah, of course. Thanks, ho. Um, <laughs> Get out of the way! <laughs> oh, you mean this? <laughs> oh God, I need this. <laughs> I'm gonna put it on with my vagina. Yeah, <laughs> like all right, all right, all right, okay, okay. Just take those old records off the shelf. It's Gosh. like oh, mm, oh. But I did it, and I did it real good. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah, that's so cool that you got to I didn't get the part. read for that. Spoiler well, alert. It's an interesting thing. I, f I feel like the three of us have r pretty different arcs. We've been over sort of the beginnings of some of yours. Megan had like, uh, f from my point of view, for years, she was reading for movies like that from Chicago theater. She went to Northwestern. But maybe talk about that like... The stuff that to me seems like huge and exciting, risky business and all that stuff. But leading up to when did, as your first, when did you first say like, oh, I'm going to be okay. Like I'm going to, I'm going to make a living as an actor. Mm. I haven't done that yet. <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I'm not sure. I, I think um, I was really lucky the whole way, the whole time, because I, as soon as I went to college, went to college at Northwestern, and then I just got cast in a lot of college shows, and then at the end of my sophomore year, I got cast in a musical that went pro. It, it did really well as an original musical, and then it, it went professional, and we all got our equity cards, and it moved to a big theater downtown. And so the whole time I lived in Chicago, I just went from show to show to show. And I also, like, sang jingles, and I had some, you know, like I was flown out to test for the lead in Risky Business. Wow. And, you know, just a lot of uh, some other movies, too. Um, Have you seen her McDonald's commercial with um, John Goodman? John Goodman's no. in it, too. But we didn't realize we were each in it until, like, wow. a year ago. And somebody wow. rediscovered it on It's a very good YouTube. YouTube. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> wow. It was the Counter Girl. That was my first on-camera job. I think I was 19 or 20. Oh wow. But, yeah, so I, I was working the whole time. So I felt like, well, I can support myself. And then I... Moved out here because my boyfriend at the time, um, I wanted to go to New York and audition for Broadway shows, and he wanted to come out here. And then everything just sort of went well out here, too. But then I went through a long period where I 
didn't like I didn't work at one point for two years and my parents had to send me some money to pay my rent and but I don't know I've been pretty pretty lucky I never never had a, another job outside of the entertainment industry yeah isn't it amazing when you just go gosh I'm so freaking lucky so lucky yeah, yeah. So very but it, the talent really does come into that I mean I, I'm thinking about you Bill and you know, I mean, you're so talented. And, and, and Nick, you know, when Nick and I first met, he, uh, we met doing a play, an Equity Waiver play in, in 2000. And for the first few years of our relationship, I was working a lot. I was, I was on Well and Grace, and, and, and Nick was working every once in a while. You know, he'd book, a, he'd book an episode of a television show. Mostly our dramas then. Yeah. I remember you on Deadwood. Thank yeah, you. That was the big you. thing where you were naked in Deadwood. Trent. Yeah. And everybody. Um, he didn't tell me about really? that. Really? Didn't come home and say, guess what? I was naked with a boner on television today. No, it <laughs> aired. It was airing the next day, and we were standing in the kitchen. And he goes, you know, do you remember when I shot the <laughs> an episode of that show called Deadwood? Because it was the first episode after the Deadwood. pilot. And, and I was like, yeah. And he was like, well... I think my episode's like airing tonight or something. And I was like, oh, cool, let's watch it. He goes, I feel like I might have forgotten. Did I tell you that there's a scene where I'm naked? I'm like, mm-mm, <laughs> didn't mention that. And I said, what's the scene? He's like, well, I'm like having sex with a hooker. I was like, tell me more. And he's like, I come to the door and I'm naked. I'm like, you're naked? He's like, yeah, and I kind of like have like a boner. <laughs> and I was like, your actual boner? It's like you're real. He's like, yeah. That's Did Deadwood. I not mention that? And I was like, no. So we call it not so Deadwood. <laughs> we did two takes of that scene, and uh, the other take was a good five eighths of an inch better. <laughs> oh my god! Um, Everybody's gonna watch it now. I remember when Matt told us. He's, Matt was like, my brother's on Deadwood because that we were doing. We were in those classes when that aired. And I remember him going, hey, man, my brother is on this episode of Deadwood. It's fucking crazy. <laughs> and we were like, oh, man, we got to watch yes. it. And then I watched, We I remember seeing it, and I go, who is your brother? And Because I haven't met you yet. And he's like, he's the naked guy. And I was like, oh, he was great. You know? <laughs> what did your parents say about that? They uh, they didn't get HBO until oh, many years well, later. that was lucky. And I, yeah, I didn't. Uh, it was like that. you've been doing that your whole life. <laughs> your dad says this that to uh -huh. everybody i was like you've been doing that your whole life yeah it wasn't there some story where nervous. you were you you weren't really supposed to have a boner but then of course you like volunteered to have one or something and you had no. to go into a broom closet with a a little a f tube of no the fake makeup tears the makeup artist gave me a handful of glycerin glycerin is what they use they put it in your eyes to make you look like you're crying. You know, if you can't cry in real life as an they actor, blow, they put uh, these fake tears. Well, no, the glycerin that they make actual oh, tears out of. Oh, they actually make of. tears out it's of. It's kind of like a yeah. gloppy saline solution. And she gave it to so you. She gave a, it to him to go he, into a he, room. He. Oh, this story just gets better and better. Oh, go into Nick. a room closet <laughs> and get ready. Well, it was just the next room. And it, it, it was. You told me it was a little like supply closet. 
I just want to tell everybody at home, <laughs> Megan has stood up for some reason. <laughs> she she is lo- she's looming over Why? Nick right now. She's so now out of the bed. <laughs> and she's sweating. standing up and Crazy she's way. kind of uh, looming over both of us. <laughs> no, honey, just take a breath. I'm standing on the mattress. <laughs> just take it easy. Pistol whip. The, the moment that uh, that I would count as a first, though. That I, and this is the one thing today when I was driving, thinking, "Oh, we're going to talk about firsts." This was the first that occurred to me. So I was working. Um, I'd say maybe for every ten auditions I would get, maybe I'd book like a guest star on a TV show kind of thing, or a Sundance movie for in the early two thousands. And I kept getting called. Uh, it was about a forty five minute to an hour drive north of L A is the town of Valencia. And, and right next to it is Santa Clarita. And that's where CSI shot. Oh, yeah. Didn't you do a couple episodes of that? Well, no. I, I got called to audition up there. For, again, just always for the same kind of bad guy part. And eventually, and I would never get it. And the casting director was really nice. And like she was really trying to get me cast. And it was a huge drag because it becomes like half your day to just drive up there and read some some version of a, of a crazy rapist and then drive back. And so finally, after not getting it like eight times over maybe four years, an audition came in for CSI and I said to my agent, you know what? No, thank you. And when I realized that was the first time that I didn't feel like I had to desperately get every possible job I could. And that was such a load off that I was like, oh, I can say no mm-hmm. to th- this this thing that's not my bag. I don't care if I'm on CSI or not. And that was a huge sea change for me. And then because I started to figure out, then I started to pick what I wanted to do. And it turns out uh, I wanted to do funny stuff more than mm. like... Oh, right. Forensic investigation. Didn't you do two episodes of NY? You did two episodes of something NYPD, NYPD Blue, Blue, yeah, but different characters. Oh, really? That's how many episodes? Well, Louie, and then you were George. That's right. Hey, <laughs> hey, Louie, hey, you kind of look like Georgie. Yeah. <laughs> was that where you played a crossdresser in one episode? That's right. Oh, that's good. Wait, what was that? Do you remember any of the lines? He was the murdering crossdresser. Oh, that's not cool. I don't, uh, well, you were like a um, a Mr. Fix-It guy. I was the building super. Okay. And so when they came, and we actually got to go shoot in New York, which is a treat because it yeah. usually shoots on the Fox lot. And uh, Sipowitz comes to the, my front stoop, <laughs> and he's like, you know, we're, gonna, hey. we're investigating. They found this girl, like, uh, hey. dead on the roof. And I'm like, yeah, it's, you know, it's crazy. Yeah, let me know if you need anything, you know. I, I'm the building super. And eventually... <laughs> Why would you be there if you weren't the murderer? Follow yeah. the clues. Yeah, he's probably not the guy. He seems like a good guy. And, and they bust my door in, and they can't find me in my apartment, and they figure out that I'm in the closet. He's literally in the, in the closet. closet. Oh, Jesus. And I, I come out, and I'm in the victim's bra and panties. Oh, brother. <laughs> yeah. Those are the only two episodes I've ever seen of that show were the ones that you were on. And even then... Isn't that funny when you can remember, I was a PA on Collateral Damage, this Ronald Schwarzenegger movie, and they had this thing where they needed 
there was these pilots and the shot that this scene ended up getting cut and one of the people didn't show up and they it was a guy my height and everything and they just went we'll put bill in there he has the thing but the other guy had the line you know mm -hmm. so i just had to sit and do the thing and because where they put me the lighting was better on my side so the director was like we'll just have that guy say it oh and i gosh. was like this and they were like that's bill and he's like as Andy Davis was the director, he's like, I don't care. Just have him what, just have him say something. I don't give a shit what it is. I just need, it was Elias Kateas. It was like, I need you to say something to Elias so he comes in and it reveals all this stuff. I don't give a shit what it is. And then they're like, I don't know, he'll get taft heart laid and all this stuff. And it's like, well, then have someone loop him later. I don't give a shit. Like, I'm listening to all this. Right? Oh, my God. So my line was three or four hours depending on the weather. And I said it. <laughs> a billion times i was like three or four out and then being super uncomfortable because you had to be loud but there was no you know uh and me not knowing any of that and they're like there's all these things are gonna be you know and then they started everyone started throwing shit at me and then like the whole crew came out and was looking and like giving me the finger and all this stuff as i was just like sitting in the thing and they're like he's in the fucking movie no way <laughs> and then it got cut and they were they laughed so hard when we were into a cast and crew screening and then it, they immediately got another thing and someone yelled out, Hater Singh got cut! And everyone was like, yeah! <laughs> 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 and I was like, oh. one of the other actors was like, yeah, man, welcome to being an actor, yeah. dude. Welcome to showbiz. I got cut yeah. out of Blue Velvet, did you? You know, really? Yeah. Oh my God, what, what happened? What? Well, I moved out here in 1985. Wow. It's just one of the first things that, well, I I had si got signed with William Morris just kind of by accident within two weeks of getting here. And at that time, that was the biggest agency in the land. And um, I my agents there were these three women about my age. They were all like 25, 26, 27. And I was 26. So they would, I, I guess they didn't have a lot of clients apparently because they took me out to dinner all the time. And one night they took me out to the Ivy, which was a big deal. And they, we, we finished and they had valet parked. And of course I parked on the street cause I was broke. And, um, when we were waiting for the valet parkers, I said, well, I'll stand here and wait with you guys. They were like, oh my God, oh my God, David Lynch and Isabella Rossellini are sitting at that table over there. One of the tables out on the sidewalk. And, um, I was like, who, you know, I didn't know anything. Um, and I, I turned around and they were, they were looking at me and they were going, they were gesturing, they're beckoning me to come to their table there. So I was like, what do I do? And they're like, go over there. So I went over to the table and, um, David Lynch said, hi, I'm David Lynch. And this is my, uh, I, I had to find out who he was first. They're like, he's a director, go over. So, uh, they said, this is, he said, this is my casting director. Are you an actress? And I said, yeah. And they were like, ha ha, we knew it. And. <laughs> <laughs> and they said, um, can you come in tomorrow to um, meet? Uh, David's doing a movie. Can you come in and meet on it tomorrow? And I said, yeah, but do I need a script? And, and he's like, oh, I don't read people. And he kind of laughed. I was like, I was like, well, then what are we going to do? He's like, well, we're just going to talk. And I said, all right. So I went over there the next day and we talked for about five minutes. And he goes, oh, you're not a whatever the Laura Dern character's oh, name yeah. was. You're not a that person. You have too much of an edge. You're a so-and-so, whatever the part was I got. So he cast me in this part that was Kyle MacLachlan's girlfriend. And it was at the very beginning of the movie. There was a whole 
10, 15, 20 minute section that just got completely cut off the front of the movie. Um, and they started the movie when Kyle MacLachlan finds the ear in the field. Yeah. But the, the precursor to that is he's in college and he has this bitchy girlfriend played by me who um, doesn't really like him, but she just needs to have some boyfriend. And we had a whole thing that I don't remember at all that's in the DVD extras where we completely mac out on each other. <laughs> and I had never kissed anybody on screen before, so you'd uh, think that I would remember uh. that, but I didn't. And we had it was like three scenes. There's a scene where we're dancing in There's a no party Hubbard. or a club. <laughs> no, no Greg Hubbard. Greg Hubbard. Glenn. Still had Glenn was his Greg older Hubbard brother. Greg Hubbard on Dying the brain. Yeah. So anyway, I was in it and I went, I remember I went to see it. I didn't even know there was supposed to be like oh, a premiere. Oh, did they not and tell you? I went to see it and I was did like, they not wait. Tell you? No, oh, no, they that's never so told me. shitty. Oh, they never told rough. me. And I still have, you know, a, that's a so part. rough. Yeah. yeah. P.S. That's okay. pretty bad. Not yeah, to, but they not didn't invite hear. me. There, if there was a premiere, I wasn't invited. So I just oh. went to see it with with like my boyfriend. I was like, I'm in this, you know. He was like, No, you're not. <laughs> Stop lying. I want to make a disclaimer because that is so hilarious. And if you're listening to this and thinking about going into showbiz, trust me, you are not going to be beckoned to a table yeah, by a by film David director. <laughs> Then talk to him for five minutes, and he'll put you in blue velvet. <laughs> yeah. That... But then they cut me out of it, so. And I saw him years later at Orso, when there used to be an Orso here in Los Angeles. And I went up to him, and I said something, and he didn't know. He didn't remember me. Yeah. Mm. That's, like, weird how that happens where you can't get. I'm, I don't know. I'm always trying to, like, divorce myself from that that, that feeling of. Um, the, the, the people assume like, oh, that rejection and stuff like stops. <laughs> it's like, no, it's just more people know about it. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? It's like the thing didn't work. So there's like weirdly more pressure on the thing or whatever. And I'm trying so hard to not, you know, like if I was in that, yeah, I've had that happen where I'm like, hey, we work together on a thing. And it's like, who are you? Yeah. You know, and it's like, oh, man, he pretended I don't like want to be. I don't, and then I would be crushed for... Mm -hmm. a couple of days or something or I just feel lame and then you're like oh it's true but I, I just always assume I always try to treat everyone generously and I always introduce myself yeah because I assume that you know a certain percentage of the people are going to forget yeah and you know most people get it and are the of the same mind then there's the sad people or the bitter people that you you can introduce yourself, which is I take as a yeah. gesture of magnanimity of like, hey, just you know, I'm not going to assume you remember yeah. me or whatever. And then they get pissed that you assumed they wouldn't remember. Yeah, you. I've had uh, the I do the same thing, and maybe it is like a Oklahoma Illinois thing where I'm always I always introduce myself, and mm -hmm. then people will say oh, it's like a false modesty thing or whatever mm. and i'm like no people mm -mm. don't know like you live in this world where you everyone knows who you know mm -hmm. a lot of people have no fucking most people don't know who the fuck i have you know and it's mm. like i it's kind of nice but you have to say hi nice but to even meet you, at a you know? big event where there are a lot of other people there who you know are in this same world i think it's i always appreciate when people 
introduce themselves, even if they're well known, yeah. because when you're in that context and there's so many people, sometimes you just start to like your brain just starts to get tired and you're like, yeah. I, I know who I you know. are. I can't think of your name. I can't you know? do the two minute conversation thing. I'm really bad at it. That's why I tend at those things to like just go over. That's like if you go to those big kind of like Vanity Fair Oscar things, mm -hmm. it's so funny how like it's like high school. It's like all the comedy people hang over in one yes. corner. All the drama people are over in this yeah. corner. And it is, it's just funny where you just kind of hang with like your friends, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? It's true. And then there's a couple of people who will go like venture over and be like, hey man, how's it going? You know, or whatever. Uh, I think there's a picture of all of us picking up polar. Say, yes. Yeah, where there's that's a perfect that was example. A fair party. Vanity fair party where we all picked up Amy. It was, it was, the three of us, and we we're Amy Poehler, we we're all pick, holding her, turning her upside down or something. Andy Samberg. Um, uh, Adam Scott. Adam Scott. Adam Scott. Bill, Bill, Murray. Bill something. Murray? Oh, Bill Murray. Bill Murray. <laughs> was, um, um, was it? Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I think that was it. And everybody, Damn. and she said, um, I don't like being picked up. <laughs> and then we all picked her up. Uh -huh. and it was very... <laughs> Yeah, well, I think she good. was very emphatically like, yeah, I don't like it. I don't like being picked up. It's not a thing I like. And so we all yeah, picked don't, her up. Yeah, don't say that at a party, standing with like 10 guys from comedy. It's like, well, I guess we have to pick her up now. Yeah, that was really fun. They got great pictures. There were a couple of really great pictures of them. Yeah. That's nice. Well, have we, have we done a podcast? Is that what we've just done? Is this done? the first podcast? Have we done an amazing PCAST? Have we achieved completion and... as we usually do in this bed? Hey! Um, Depend. I don't know. What do you think, Mr. Offerman? <laughs> I think we did very well. <laughs> I think you know, me and Megan can have the room. <laughs> <laughs> Looking pretty good there, young fella. Pretty good there, young fella. <laughs> On the second episode of the podcast, Nick's going to have a full boner, but he's not going to tell us. In advance. Yeah. Let's just see That's how what goes. he does on the second episode of everything. Everyone listening to their cars right now just like hit the brakes. <laughs> it's like all along, all along the 10. It's just yeah. like. <laughs> <laughs> just everyone is like, he's going to have a bar next for <laughs> You'll be able to hear it. Trust me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Bill Hader, how can we thank you enough for oh, being man, such thank a. Thank you. Well, you don't have to do anything. Nice guy, smart career. guy, funny guy, so, talented. I mean, you gave me a career, so. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> oh, man. So, we're good. <laughs> Nick Offerman. Megan Mullally. Oh, Jesus. Thanks for no. being my well, husband. Let me describe to people at home what's happening right now. They're kind of sniffing each other. Like, we are a married couple. <laughs> we can sniff each other like as much dogs. as we want. two dogs. Yeah. We can and we have. Oh. Well. Thank you for bringing my wife. And thanks for tuning in your ears to this first installment of the beloved podcast in bed with Nick and Megan. Good night. Wow, tonight, later. No, it would be funny if that was the first commercial. <laughs> All right, you've been listening to In the Bed with Nick and Megan. Next up. with Nick and Megan is an Earwolf production. It's produced by Megan Mullally, Kevin Bartelt, and Michael Landry. Executive produced by Colin Anderson and Chris Bannon. 
Music by Nancy and Beth, which can be found at www.nancyandbeth.com. If you enjoyed In Bed with Nick and Megan, make sure to rate it and review the show on Apple Podcasts.